0: My name is Dallas. I'm one of the pastors here at Generations Church, if you don't know that already. And great to have you with us here this morning. A couple of years after my wife Heather and I were, uh, were married, we, we traveled to Ontario for her brother's wedding. And while we were there, we decided we would try and do some fishing in Ontario. We are living in Alberta at the time, so you can kind of understand that. But um, we we had to borrow fishing equipment, and uh, so we borrowed from from her brother, and and he had a fly rod, and I wanted to try. I didn't know the first thing, but there was something attractive, something adventurous to me about fly fishing, uh, something iconic in a way, and and so there was my brother-in-law on the front front yard of his house, uh, front lawn, teaching me the basics of fly fishing. And uh, it was great, Heather and I, the next day we we set out to Sandbanks Provincial Park in, in Lake Ontario. I was set, and the only thing I remember is that I spent a lot of time untangling the line from the bush behind me. And if it wasn't in the bush behind me, I was entangling it from around myself. And there Heather was a few, uh, a few yards uh, next to me, just casting her line in, having a great old time with her spoon hook and catching fish. And the fish that she caught was the closest I would get to catching fish that day. Wow. You know, practicing with a coach uh, in the front yard was one thing. Trying to figure it out on my own at the lake the next day was something completely different. It was an utter failure. <laughs> Last summer, we visited some friends up in, in Campbell River, and their son's an avid fly fisher. And uh, he not only coached me before we went out, but but we were side-by-side side in the Campbell River fly fishing for pink salmon. It was it was a glorious experience. I got to tell you, it, was, it had me hooked. I was like, even though we didn't catch a thing, <laughs> it was a wonderful experience, and it's so different not having to figure it out on my own. As Pastor Darcy, these last number of weeks, has, has shared some of his fishing stories with us, I realized that almost every one of those, those fishing stories From his childhood, I was there. It's something to do with me being the younger brother. I don't know, something like that. But um, we always went fishing as a family. I actually don't ever remember going fishing on my own, just myself. For some of you, solo fishing is ideal. I, I understand that, but I don't view fishing as a solo sport. We've been in this series called uh, "Gone Fishing," and I need to give, as Pastor he has a lot of credit to, to Andy Stanley and his his brilliant ideas on this topic. And we've seen that when Jesus calls people to follow him, he's very upfront, and he says, "I'm going to make you into something. I'm going to make you what? Fishers of men. Right? I'm going to make you fishers of men." And you and I are here today because someone told somebody else about an event that happened 2,000 years ago, about a person who lived and died and rose again. And you and I are here today because someone kept telling that story and you and I heard that story. And as we've responded to the call to follow Jesus, he is making us into fishers of people as well we're called to tell the story of Jesus to those around us as we've just sung. The tendency of many of us is to to think in terms of this as a solo mission, that we're responsible. Uh, Sometimes we get so uncomfortable talking to other people about Jesus that we make others feel uncomfortable as well. You ever been there? Are you with me on that? The summer I finished uh, grade 11, our youth group from Whitecourt, Alberta, joined this massive outreach initiative in Vancouver during Expo 86. Anybody go there? Yeah. So we were there, I was there as a teenager, uh, a part of this, this great outreach, and we prepared for months. We prayed, we, we memorized scriptures, we prepared songs to sing, we practiced using a track to lead people to Jesus. And I was so excited until I stepped out of our van van into the big city with thousands of people around. (laughs) This quirky, insecure teenager from small town Alberta was going to be a fisher of men. And all of a sudden I felt like the fish completely out of water. Wow. Experiencing Expo itself was, was fantastic. Uh, singing our songs uh, as a group in the mission in downtown Eastside, that was doable. But then we were set loose in Stanley Park on our own. At least that's how I remember it. <laughs> so I went in great fear and trembling. As I wandered through the park, I spotted my victim, I mean, my fish there was this guy hanging out all by himself at a picnic table. I was armed and ready and shaking in my boots. And so I timidly uh, approached, wandered over, made eye contact. And then with a quivering voice, I said, hello. (laughs) And I don't remember actually anything much after that where I started, but I do remember where I finished. I was being asked by this guy if I knew Jesus. (laughs) I had stumbled and bumbled so much that I didn't even realize this guy was part of the same outreach I was a part of. But worse yet, he didn't realize that that I was with that group either. (laughs) And I was the one initiating the conversation. Wow, what a great job. Fishing for men, I believe, was never intended to, to be a solo expedition. It's a part of it, yes, definitely. But we are called to, to partner. And Jesus has provided some fishing buddies for us to help. One of uh, Jesus' followers, Matthew, records this, this most amazing interaction that Jesus has with his disciples. And in the book that he wrote, which is the first book in the New Testament that you come to, Matthew tells us that Jesus asked his his disciples this question Who do people say the Son of Man is? What are people saying about me? And these disciples started to repeat some of the comments that they had heard out on the street. Some say John the Baptist, others say say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah. You know what all three of these guys have in common? They were all dead. (laughs) So the word out on the street was that people believe you, Jesus. They believe that you're definitely from God and you've come with a message, but you're either the reincarnated one of these guys, or you've come in the spirit of one of these guys. That's what they're saying. And then Jesus asked the question. There are a lot of questions to this very day about Jesus, about Christianity, about God, about life in general. There's a lot of questions. There's some big questions, like why does bad things happen to good people? Those are big questions. But if you're on a journey of trying to discover what this whole Christianity thing is all about, this is the question you need to get to. And Jesus is asking you as he's asking all of us, is who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? See, when you clear all of the other debris out of the way, all the other important questions, and you get right down to the foundation, this is the question that every person on the planet needs to answer. Who do you think Jesus is? And your answer will determine the direction you take in life. Not what you think is the correct answer, but what, you, what, what is your answer. Your answer. Who do you think Jesus is? And Jesus asked this very personal and pointed question to his disciples. Who do you say I am? As often was the case, Simon Peter, with the biggest mouth, comes out with his answer first. But unusual for him, this time he didn't need to stick his foot in his mouth. (laughs) What comes out of his mouth is a big moment actually, in the history of mankind. You are the Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. You are the one that ancient scriptures have foretold. That's who you are. And this is so amazing. This is so amazing, not just because Peter finally got the right answer, but listen to what Jesus reveals next. He points out one of our fishing buddies. He lets us know that fishing for for men is not a solo mission. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. You did not learn this from any human being. Simon, you got the right answer, but you didn't come to the conclusion on your own. You had help. You had help. Elsewhere, Jesus says in the book of John, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me. The Father is at work through the Holy Spirit under the surface in people's lives, preparing them to become followers of Jesus. And again in the chapter just before this, in John chapter five, Jesus gives insight into his fishing strategy. And this is what he says, my father is always working and so am I. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees his father doing. Whatever the father does, The sun does. You see, you and I as fishers of people need to be aware of where the Holy Spirit is fishing and go there with him. Let him be the fishing buddy that we team up with. How do we learn to see and and hear what the Holy Spirit is up to in people's lives around us? Well, Rick Richardson in his book, Reimagining Evangelism, he points out some, some primary skills that, that are so helpful. First one is we can, we can listen to the whispers and nudges of the Holy Spirit to show us where, is he, where he is at work. You see, many of us are so weighed down by, by guilt that uh, we don't go fishing enough. I want to tell you that guilt is going to get you nowhere. Take the energy you 're consuming by carrying guilt around and focus on learning to recognize how the Holy Spirit whispers and nudges you because he wants to partner up with you he wants to collaborate with you in fishing for people. You see the Holy Spirit has been fishing for people for for two thousand years he 's amazing at it he 's experienced he's, he knows what he 's doing. The Father loves lost people more than you and I do and he's actively at work all the time in the hearts and lives of people. He's always doing something. And many of you, I know, I've talked with you that you look back on your life before you began to follow Jesus and you see, looking back, how the Father was working in your life, how Holy Spirit was drawing you to Jesus. And at the time, you weren't aware of it. Looking back, you can see it, but at the time, you weren't aware of it. How many other people around us every day are in those exact same shoes? The Father is at work in their lives, drawing them to Jesus, but they're unaware. The Holy Spirit is is doing the fishing. And all you and I need to do is buddy up with him, collaborate with what he's already doing. And you know what? This, this truth just fills me with incredible hope that I don't have to know all the answers to every question that somebody's going to ask me when I talk to people about him. I don't have to download Rabbi Zacharias's incredible brain to, to, to have all the, all the answers to, to all these questions before I go fishing for people. I absolutely need to be prepared But I'm not alone. I'm not without help. I'm not without a fishing buddy. Most of us have this idea that we need to share the good news of Jesus with everybody all the time. And yes, there is a truth to that. And if you have the gift of evangelism, uh, that's going to be reality for you. You're going to be doing it all the time because that's how the Holy Spirit has gifted you. But for the rest of us, kind of the shotgun approach leads us at times into these awkward conversations. Um, you know, we, we, we get into these situations where we, we, we don't know where people are at, the experiences they had. And you end up like I was in Expo 86, just with this, this strange experience that you walk away with guilt and shame and it just gives you no incentive to try that again. We feel like a salesperson selling a product that people mostly don't want. Like what Rick says here, if if we aren't extroverted, persuasive, an expert on our product, skilled at responding to the questions that will, will come up, and able to be pushy and assertive when it comes to making the clothes then we don't identify with evangelism as a part of our lives. Sometimes we we box evangelism into that type of view. But what about the majority of us? What about partnering with the Holy Spirit? Expecting Him to nudge us looking for it, and being on an adventure of discovery, looking for the clues of where he is already at work. I will often pray this, this prayer in the morning. Holy Spirit, help me to be aware of what you're doing around me today. Help me to hear your direction, your nudging. And this is where we left off last week. Remember the prayer, Lord, give me great boldness to speak your word. Give me great boldness to respond to those nudges. Give me great boldness as I see what you're doing around me to step into it and become your partner. How's it gone this week? Have you prayed that prayer? Have you had opportunities to share? Have they become open to you? For me, it often flows actually out of my pastoral gift. Um, part of a pastoral gift is people tend to tell you their problems. <laughs> it's, it's part of the gift. I have often have people sit in front of me and say, I don't know why I'm telling you this. Well, I do. <laughs> I've never told anybody this before. I know why you're telling me. It's not me. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit in me. And often when it comes to evangelism, it flows out of that pastoral gift. Often in response, there's a nudging by the Holy Spirit. And if I'm listening and if I've started the day off with intentionality to be aware of what the Holy Spirit is doing around me, when people begin to tell me their problems, in response, I offer prayer. Sometimes it's praying right then and there, right on the side of the street in the grocery store or wherever it might be. Sometimes it's just a commitment, a sincere commitment that I make with them as I look them in the eye and says, I'm going to pray for you. There's not a right or wrong response to that. I just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to guide me in the difference because what he's doing in that person's life. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be who God has created you to be. Be who God has gifted you to be. And learn to recognize the Holy Spirit's nudges and directions to the great fishing holes that He's already in. Don't try and force things. Nothing good happens when when we try and force things to happen. Yes, be intentional, be aware but fish in partnership with the Holy Spirit. We can also ask great questions of others to find clues out where where God is already at work in people's lives. Uh, When we ask questions, most of us have been taught to to ask questions uh, that focus on what people believe. Like, what do they believe about God, Jesus, the Bible, heaven, hell, the afterlife? But in our culture today, this is is so important, I believe, for us to understand. In our culture today, opinion actually holds the highest authority. And just like for, for Jesus, there were many opinions out on the street. People hold to YouTube theology today. They don't care if you've been to Bible college or seminary, you've been a Christian for 40 years, you've studied the Bible. They don't care. If somebody has something good to say that they agree with on YouTube, they're going to believe them over you. It's it's that culture today. Scripture, the Bible has no authority in most people's minds. And so when you get into belief, you get into this confusing muck and mire of opinion. And Trying to correct people's belief system is just going to get you bogged down and at worst, you're going to get stuck. Focusing on beliefs does not help you discover where God is already at work in people's lives. People want to share their experiences. Hear your experiences and talk about spiritual reality. So asking questions like, do you have any religious background? And does it mean anything to you today? That's a great starting point. A great conversation starter. Have you ever had what you would consider a spiritual experience? What was it like? And I want to warn you, when you ask those type of questions, you're going to get some wild and crazy responses. You're going you're to get some experiences that don't fit with your biblical worldview, I can guarantee it. <laughs> They're going to push your buttons. They're, your eyes are going to be tempted to get really wide and say, this, this person is, is out there, you know. But everything within you is going to want to correct them. But if you correct them, the conversation's over. However, if you give them an ear, listen to their experience, you've started a journey with them. You've begun to partner and and kind of discern, where is the Holy Spirit working in this person's life? I guarantee you, if they engage you in conversation, that's a big hint right there that the Holy Spirit's already working on their lives. I've listened to people tell me about some crazy demonic encounters that don't believe in Jesus or the Bible at all. They've never told anybody before in their lives. And, and uh, some of you as followers of Jesus don't even believe in that stuff. And, but regardless of how wacky or how far out it may seem, engage in the conversation. I usually share some of my wacky spiritual experiences just to kind of make them realize that, you know what? They're not alone in this kind of stuff. And the conversation gives you an opportunity to discover what the Holy Spirit is already doing in the person's life. Ask questions about their spiritual experience. And lastly, we can can partner with the Holy Spirit in prayer for seekers. Obviously, seekers and skeptics is something that needs to be just a passion in our hearts that we continually pray for. But we can also pray with seekers and skeptics. Pray for and pray with. Often we think that we need, you know, and I, I've often wondered, we need a track record of praying for believers for healing before we dare pray with somebody who doesn't believe in Jesus. You know, <laughs> we need some, we need some uh, uh, experience here and some, some success to give us confidence before we, we go and pray for somebody who's sick who doesn't believe in Jesus. But I think, um, actually, it's the other way around that when when I think of the times that I've asked people, can I pray for you? I think there's only been once that I've been turned down. Once out of all the times that I've offered prayer. And I believe that God loves to reveal his his power and his authority, especially, it seems, to seekers and skeptics. And maybe the very opportunity you have to pray with a person is a divine setup in their life for a miracle that's going to catapult them forward in their journey with him. I love praying for people who don't know Jesus. You know, because they don't believe in Jesus, so they're not expecting anything to happen. If nothing happens, then okay, it didn't happen, you know? But when something does, when something does, when Jesus shows up in power and authority, everything changes. It's a different conversation then. I wish I had time to tell you some stories. I remember one story where I was just praying with somebody and I I just said, hey, I'm just going to invite Jesus to come and reveal himself. And when he did this person just sensed a, a, an incredible peace that they knew wasn't coming from inside of them. And they're like, what was that? And it's like, that's Jesus. It's, it's incredible when Jesus shows up, everything changes, it's a different conversation. We get to be fishing buddies with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in people's lives already. Learn to see and, and hear and respond to what, you, what he's showing around you. Let's get back uh, quickly to this great confession that, that, that Peter nailed. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Because not only does Jesus reveal the one fishing buddy we have in the person of the Holy Spirit, but he goes on to reveal a second one. And it, Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being." Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Church. Church. All of us have an idea that comes to mind when we hear or see that word, church. But you've got to understand that, that as Jesus is saying this to his disciples, up to this moment with Jesus, that Greek word for church in history was not a religious word. It referred to actually the voting citizens of a town. If all of us tomorrow were to gather at the convention center and vote uh, as a, an assembly, as a group like that, instead of going and, and, and casting our ballots. When we gather together to vote, that would be called the church. That would be called the assembly, the gathering. And Jesus intentionally uses the word this word church to describe the movement that he's about to launch. This new assembly, a new citizenship built on this one statement that Peter rocked it on, that he, that, he, that he came out with so successfully, this one statement that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus was launching a movement based on that one statement, based on the truth that is in that one statement, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. In other words, nothing will be able to stop it. It will build and build. It will grow and grow. It will move and move. And here we are 2,000 years later because it has kept moving. It has kept growing. And regardless of the many differences that followers of Jesus, have and have had all the way through history, despite the many failures and the problems with the church all the way down through history, the misguidedness that that we've we've gone down, the one thing that holds us all together is that there is one Jesus who is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the truth that the church is built on. So what's the connection between these two things? Jesus Building his church, no matter what, and our individual responsibility to fish. What's the connection between the two? Well, the connection is the church is always supposed to be a partner in the fishing process. The church, us together, us as a community, us as an assembly, are the other partner. The other fishing buddy, the church. You see, many of us have had the way of thinking that that we go out, we win people to Jesus, and then we bring them to church. And most of us are terrible at it, so we don't do it. (laughs) In the same way of thinking, we wouldn't even think about bringing somebody who wasn't a follower of Jesus to church. And the church in this sense hasn't been a good fishing buddy. But we're actually designed to be. A few chapters later in in Matthew's book, Jesus says this again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Now, Jesus promises to be with his followers always at all times as individuals. He promises to to never leave us, never forsake us. He's always with us. So what is he saying that's different here when two or three gather in my name? It's, It's in this environment where two or three gather together on official Jesus business that... There's a dynamic of his presence that goes beyond what you and I can experience in our personal lives. There's something that happens. There's something that changes that's different than just Jesus being with us. When two or three gather together on official Jesus business, Jesus, what is your agenda? What is your heart? Like we are here right now. There's a dynamic of his presence that shows up that is different from just his presence with us all the time. There's a dynamic where Jesus shows up and those who don't believe, we just gotta say, hey, you gotta come and see. Come and see. And that's been Jesus' strategy all the way along. And as you read through um, the gospels and his, and his life, that's what he tells, that's what disciples tell other people. You gotta come see this guy. You gotta come be in this, pers- this guy's presence. There's something different about him. And that's what happens when, when we as a church become the church. We gather together as assembly. Jesus shows up. Andy Stanley says, it well, the church is the most powerful, persuasive environment on the planet. When it's functioning as it should be, when it's doing what it should do, when it's being a fishing partner, it's the most powerful and persuasive environment on the planet. It's in that environment of the presence of Jesus that people's resistance to whatever they have begins to break down within them. And they don't know Jesus yet, but the barriers start to fall. Rick Richardson says, God is far more committed to raising up witnessing communities than to raising up witnessing individuals. That's a pretty heavy statement. It's a pretty powerful statement. And if that's true today, I just believe in our culture it's so important because people in our culture, they need to belong before they believe. They need to feel accepted, they need to feel a part of something before you start to deal with their beliefs. And as a church, we need to be good fishing buddies to create communities where people can connect before they have to commit. My questions to us this morning, to you this morning is, are you investing into the lives of people who don't know Jesus? Are you inviting those who don't know Jesus to come and see Come and see. Are you serving in a way that contributes to, the divine, to this environment of the dynamic presence of Jesus as the church? How are you contributing? Can I encourage you? Be yourself. Get back to that. Be yourself. You have Holy Spirit gifts that he wants you to use for, for fishing for people. It may be evangelism, that's the obvious, obvious one, but it may be a prophetic gift. And some of you with a prophetic gift need to go on treasure hunts to find the people that Jesus shows you is already prepared. For other, maybe it's hospitality and you exercise that gift here on Sunday morning and just making this be the most hospitable place and then throughout the week, you're serving in hospitality in your home, creating that environment again for people to be welcome. Or maybe it's administration, the gift of administration, where the Holy Spirit just helps you pull it all together. All of us are gifted to contribute to this environment of the dynamic presence of Jesus. As we close here, I just want us to watch this, this brief video from Alpha.
1: Growing up, I was in a very atheist household. It was my mother, my brother, and I. They didn't go to church. They didn't follow any religion of any sort. When I was 19, I was coming out of a really awful relationship that had lasted the good majority of three years. It was really hard on me mentally, emotionally, physically. just very dark and negative and toxic. I remember one day just being in the room alone, quiet and sad, and it felt like something was in the room with me, if you want to explain it that way. I just felt some, something caring for me. Then I asked the question is this God? Is this, you know, Jesus trying to get through to me? So I was left with um, a lot of questions.
2: I would say there were quite a few like curious people there, either people that had grown up in a Christian background or had known people. I wondered what it would look like just to host an alpha for my friends and particularly my co-workers. I was definitely pretty nervous just because obviously it's really easy to make a name for yourself at your workplace because you're there all the time, whether it's like Oh, you could be like the really fun one, or it's like very easily you could be like, oh, that Christian that always asks people to go to church. And I didn't want her to think that our friendship was just so I could invite her to church.
1: So, Ash and I were working a shift together. Uh, we were walking past each other, and she stopped me from where I was going, and just said it very directly, casually, I want you to come to an Alpha. What day is gonna work for you? What day is consistent for you? And I was immediately drawn and ready to um, participate in it. There's not really
2: a, like a super easy way to do it. Um, there's no if you're ever waiting for like the right time. There's like there's t- times that are better than others, but there's not like a time that it really like you're, this is the moment.
1: So I showed up at Alpha for the first time. Um, it was very welcoming, very casual. Uh, Lots of people that I knew were there all my age. So, you know, you walk in, people were hugging, people were saying hello, people were catching up, there was food there. So it just felt like you were going to hang out with your friends. A lot of people had questions just like I did. They were either atheist, Christian, um, nothing. Like, they just had the same questions as me. So I felt very comfortable knowing that I wasn't the only one who was exploring it. Maybe halfway, maybe like
2: three quarters, we were just talking and it was discussion time. She's like, yeah, well like now that I'm Christian, and I was like, what? And I was like, uh, and I was like, kind of like look at other people that I, like I know and I looked at them, and they looked at me and I was like.
1: Things just started to make sense for me. Things started clicking. In my past, there were like certain connecting dots mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And then, yeah, I think I just told you one day. Yeah. It wasn't, like, a huge big bang or, like, I saw the light or anything. It was just, I woke up, I'm like, this is who I am.
2: Yeah, I just, I, like, firmly believe, like, obviously it wasn't me that, like, brought you to Christ and, like, gave you this life. It was, like, I was just being, like, faithful. It's, like, God's call, and that looked like inviting you, and then he, like, did the rest, and he, like, obviously, like, does so much for your life. And
1: I think you just kind of helped me, like, see a little clearer or, like, help me. Yeah, move a little bit closer. God pulled
0: through. Holy Spirit was already at work in a man's life, and for her, it was just a process. It was a journey, and oftentimes we think of people coming to Christ as an event, as a moment, but. More often than not, I think in today's culture, it's a process. And as we walk with people, as we engage with people, as we create environments where they can be a part of, where they can be welcome. And Miranda, sorry, the Holy Spirit was working in Miranda's life and Amanda just came along in partnership with the church community, two or three, who created an environment in their home that, that welcomed Miranda in. And it was in that context that conversation happened and the journey continued. The engagement was there. Fishing buddies. Holy Spirit church. The fishing process is never intended to be a solo expedition. A solo mission. And I want to ask you this morning what is one step that you're going to take that will move you towards a model of fishing that involves partnership with the Holy Spirit? I think we began to take a step last week already in that direction. What can you do to function effectively in creating environments with our church that will give those who don't know Jesus a chance to hear about him? Is it the, the invitation, come and see, come to church with me, come to the singing Christmas tree, come to whatever it might be, to, to the games night or to the Saturday adventure, come with me. Or is it, come to Alpha with me? We're going to be running Alpha uh, again in January, and some of you need to be a part of that. Some of you need to bring people to that. Not just invite them, but bring them. But maybe others of you need to buddy buddy up with one or two other people and run an alpha in your community out of your home. Maybe that's the environment you need to be creating. What steps will you take to engage these, these fishing buddies? What steps will you take to engage these fishing buddies? You know, everybody here this morning is, is on a journey. We're all on a journey. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked, answered that question before that we talked about earlier is Jesus saying, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And I, and I want to tell you that Holy Spirit's been working in your life. And that's why you're here this morning. And if you don't have an answer to that question as a church, we've created this environment this morning so that Jesus' presence is here and he wants to know you and he wants you to know him. Would you respond to that this morning? Just open your heart. In a few moments, we're going to uh, have our prayer team available in the uh, in the lounge right beside us here through these doors. And uh, I just invite you to come and and. and there's some Bibles in there if you don't have a Bible that we'll, that we'll give you. Um, and love to pray with you uh, about your answer to that question of who is Jesus? Who do you think Jesus is? Can we pray together? Let's stand together and, uh, and just close in prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you started a movement. You established your church on that truth of who you are, that you are the Christ, you are the Messiah, you are the chosen one, the son of the living God. And Jesus, I thank you that 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 has gone on and on to this day that that we, we stand here this morning because that truth has continued. And Jesus, we want to be good fishing buddies. Jesus, we want to partner with your Holy Spirit in what you're doing in our world today, in our culture, right here in Nanaimo in in 2019. Lord, we want to partner with you, Holy Spirit. We want to partner with you we want to partner with one another as part of your church to create these environments, Lord, where people can, can be received, can, people can feel a part of. And Lord, you can be, begin to just break down those barriers as they experience the amazing dynamic presence of Jesus among us. Lord, open our eyes every day, Lord, as we go from this place, that even this afternoon, this evening, tomorrow morning, throughout the week, Lord, that you would remind us of that com- prayer, that commitment. Lord, give us boldness to, to respond to what you show us, the nudgings and the leadings that you show us. Help us to ask, ask good, great questions. Help us to be a part of what you're doing in people's lives. For your glory and your honor, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.